My name is. What? My name is. Who? My name is. Slim Shady. Welcome back to a tale of two rivals. Plus one. I'm your host, Todd, at FF underscore Banterman Foster, joined by. FF underscore Spaceman Dave Wright. Oh, Todd, it's been, we've, we've been a little while here. Nine days, I think, since our last recording. I miss you guys. I'm excited to do this. I, I miss talking to you guys. It is nice just to hear your voices yeah. dancing into my little eardrums. Yeah. Wait a minute. There's a third person here? Oh, yeah. As per usual now, you're you're hearing the sweet sounds of FF underscore walrus. Oh, the real Slim Shady joins us. Mm. You are shady, sure. You are very shady, Standing gentlemen. right up. I think that's some leftover animosity from our rookie draft, Todd. Uh, my animosity will come out in this discussion today. And um, I I will say that I'm sure Sean had a great time in the first round with the texts. I'm sure he had a fantastic time, and I don't think he remotely considered trading to me once. Just no. wanted to watch me. No. Just wanted to watch me spiral. spiral. Correct. Like a spider yeah. with roller skates. I wanted to see you guys. <sighs> we'll get there. We'll get there. Jerks. All right. How's everybody doing, other than still festering over the draft a little bit? Yeah, I'm still in the process of moving, and so I try to go to my happy places in the middle of it when my blood starts to boil. And I found myself thinking today, if I were to be drafted in the NFL, what would my walk-up song be? So as you're taking that walk to the stage, Goodell is standing there. You're trying not to slap him in his little face. What song is playing in the background? Ooh, wow, that's a I wish question. I had something to prep for this. Um, no, Dave, this is better. Off the cuff, first song in your head. What does it go? I would probably say "Lose Yourself," and I would just be screaming "Mom Spaghetti" the whole way up. Nice. Yeah, just "Mom Spaghetti," "Mom Spaghetti." I'm drafted. That's what I'd be doing. That's right. Lose yourself. Off the top of my head, David. Oh, this takes me back to the sounds of summer. And I'm going to cheat a little bit here and just think about my baseball walk-up song, like a possible base up, baseball walk-up song. And, oh, you know, it's uh, it's summertime. Bob of the ninth. The girl of your dreams is sitting in the stands. You look up at her. And it's Guns N' Roses, Paradise City, baby. Everything you need. It's just, oh, this no, it's take take it back, guys. It's, this is what does it. This pumps me up. Just thinking about bringing it for the fans and you know hitting that walk off home run. Every every baseball player's dream when they're growing up. So oh, give it to me, Paradise City, Guns and Roses. Wow, there it is. Nice. I would go with What Mean the World to You by yeah. Now, if I'm just looking the boogie on my way up there, I'll play September by Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know what I mean? Just, just, just start dancing. You know, just like a like Caddyshack. That would be a good one too. Now, do you slow it down to properly dance, or is it like a fast, brisk dance walk? Oh, it's a fast, brisk walk. I, dude, I'm hyped. Fast, brisk walk. You know, I'm like, you know, I'm, I'm the franchise QB for somebody now. I'm ready. I'm ready for Super Bowl at that point. Cause I'm definitely a QB. We know we keep being yeah. if I'm drafted. Everybody made their own Madden player. Nobody picked yeah. a tackle. Yeah. All right. So, this episode, before we all forget about it, we're going to be talking about reviewing our Superflex Rookie Draft. 
So, 12-team league. We have an extra pick in the first round for the Toa Boys. So, it's a 13-round first round. I mean, excuse me, 13-pick first round. And we're going to go through and... Now, if you're listening, this isn't about us bragging about our draft. This isn't us bragging about our teams or going over, like, people in our league. We're just trying to talk about value. You know what I mean? Like, what picks look like great values and how that might look to your draft or guys that we thought that might have gone early or later... And, you know, we want to talk about this in terms of, like, what any Dynasty player would find interesting. It's not about our league. It's about the values and where those guys landed. So, Todd, Todd, speak for yourself. I'm here to just rub this whole draft in your face. So, so just speak for yourself, my friend. That's fine. I have two titles. You can keep chasing me. <laughs> um, yeah. So, um, you can win the draft. I'll just win the, I'll win the league. But, yeah. So, we're going to jump in and... We are going to go over about six to seven picks at a time. So, in the first round, the 101 was Joe Burrow. The 102 was Jonathan Taylor. The 103 was C.E.H. The 104 was Tua. The 105 was Swift. And the 106 was Dobbins. So, gentlemen, first topic off those first six picks do we agree with the qb going at 101 or we or do we think it should have been a running back david let's start with you i mean i think i'm pretty much on the record here about i'm i'm the rbs over the q over the qbs at 102 101 and 102 i i'm at the point where i think i'd rather have ch and jt and take their values and I'd rather trade a James Conner or a you know a look like a Nikhil Harry for Teddy Bridgewater type QB. That that's what I'm kind of thinking. I'll t- I, instead of getting Burrow, waiting for him to develop because I don't think he's gonna. I don't. I mean, I think he's he's obviously he's a my top QB in this draft, but I don't think he's gonna be a, you know a QB one right out of the gate like Kyler Murray was. So, you know, I'd rather just take the RBs and then just have a mid level QB two down the road. Sean, do you agree with that? Yeah, for the most part. I mean, if if you're doing it, fine. I get the argument, but I think it's a long scale. And I think in a super flex, some people fall into the logic fallacy that you have to smash quarterbacks wherever you can at any point, whether or not you believe in them. And I think, you know, Burrow, Burrow's exciting, obviously, at the historic season last year, but so did Jonathan Taylor. CEH with just that juicy, juicy landing spot. I would have taken both those guys. I think they're two. You know, I think they're kind of more deserving of that one-on-one. But I think for a lot of people, it doesn't even boil down to the prospect. It boils down to just, it's super flex. I need a QB. I need to take them high. I'm going to completely disagree. I'm going to completely disagree with you guys. I think that Burrow is absolutely the first pick. I think that what we're seeing with CEH and JT is that they are very good running prospects, running back prospects. But... I also think that Burrow is a fantastic QB prospect. And I think in Superflex, if you're getting a young QB that even if he just ends up being your QB2 in the first few years and becomes your QB1 within year three, that's an incredibly valuable position. Is it an automatic? No, it's not. If I didn't think that Joe Burrow was an elite prospect as a QB after having the greatest college football season any QB's ever had, then I might think differently. But the fact of the matter is, Two of the better QB prospects I've seen in recent memory are indeed like in this draft. 
I'm going to swing a counter argument your way, Todd, to the if you're in the championship, you need to have those QBs. Our, our league here that we're discussing, do you remember who my QB was in the inaugural year when I won the whole thing? Uh, actually, of course I don't. It was no. Blake Bortles. Blake Bortles was a solid Q- fantasy QB. Wow. Well, he, he was, he, like, would the you other call thing him about, a monster, though? No. Hmm? He was one of your QBs? Or who was your other one? Jared Goff. You're telling me that Blake Bortles was your was your QB3. Who ended up becoming my QB1. And that's the clutch of the argument right there, the crux of the argument. Blake Bortles was QB depth. He didn't have to spend 102 or 101 capital to have a QB that had the caliber of helping you get to a championship if you were stronger in other positions. And that is the beauty of the late-round QB. And, Todd, you say it all the time about how you took Lamar Jackson at 110 in our league, and that helped you win a championship. Because you can get QBs in multiple different ways in Superflex. You do not have to be you know, a slave to the dogma that you need to take QBs first in rookie drafts. Yes, they are cheaper there at times, but you also can get discounts at later in the first round on these, what people consider lesser tier quarterbacks. Justin Herbert could be an example of that this year. Uh, Todd's saying the same thing about, is going to say the same thing about Jordan Love probably at some point in this conversation. And just because we're saying that Joe Burrow doesn't necessarily need to be the 101 doesn't mean we don't value the QB position. We can just obtain that value in different ways. Can totally understand the argument. I just don't agree with it at all. So that's just kind of where I'm standing. Um, so, with that said, when you're on the clock, and maybe you have a one like the 103 or the 104, and like a certain guy falls to you, and or like you're like probably more like in the 107, 108 range, that middle round when you start seeing. Did you guys see your rankings changing at all when you were on the clock? Or were you just steadfast in exactly what your evaluations were? What about you, Sean? You had a few picks in the middle. Um, no, I mean, my strategy changed, but my rankings didn't change at all. I still like the guys that I like. Erroneous. I don't believe you, Sean. I, yeah, oh, I prove don't it then, Dave. Lay your case before me. So, should we re- should we replay the Acres take he had? Yes, exactly. Let's replay the Acres <laughs> take. Load it up. Then- Let's hear it, Sean. Let's. So you were very down on Acres. You said he was your RB, what, eight or nine, seven or eight, and then you take Acres with the one hundred seven. What's up with that? Over the wide receivers. So, for me, there was just such a dive between the end of that tier and like anybody else in this draft. I think. Acres is out of those big five that were up there, probably the le- you know hands down the least exciting. He's probably not going to be a three down back. He's very weak in pass protection. He went to he came out of a team with a bad offensive line. He's going into a team with a bad offensive line. That's probably not going to help him too much either. But I wanted to walk away with a running back, and he's who was there. So it came down to need for you. Yeah. I mean, you had Dylan and Vaughn over him in our last episode, so that was the surprising part. Yeah, then I tweaked a little more as I went into it over those preceding weeks. Acre, yeah, I, I put Acres over Vaughn before the draft. I did change as well. I'll admit that. And it was more yeah. just based off, yeah, well, you know, he's just a better prospect. And, like, I feel like for Vaughn, like, I really liked Vaughn, and I liked Acres more pre-draft than Vaughn. Actually, I didn't, I didn't. I just really liked Vaughn. He was like my guy kind of a thing. But like, if I just had to be objective about it, it was like, it was Acres over Vaughn. I hated the Rams landing spot. So 
when you took him, I was surprised. I was thrilled because I was going to take Akers if you failed me because I was running back desperate, but I was so happy I didn't have to. Yeah, I like his red zone viability this year too. You know, if he can come in and rack up the touchdowns the way Gurley did, that could be, that could just change everybody's opinion on him. I mean, we could see that. I mean, I, I'm not really optimistic. I also feel like Henderson and, like, Malcolm Brown are kind of getting pushed to the side a little bit there. I could see, like, both those guys who could kind of compete. Malcolm Brown, just for some reason, just always kind of sticks around and just finds some way to have some sort of value. So um, he should be able to beat both those guys out, but I'm just not ready to say it's definitely going to happen. It's more what I'm saying. Okay, so uh, next argument would be for – I think we all have talked a lot about Swift and Dobbins. So Swift, uh, you know, pre-draft season, that was a guy that a lot of people had as the RB1. Uh, I think Dobbins was a guy that was all over the map. I mean, you saw him at, like, number one for some people. You saw some people having him at, like, 12. He was everywhere. So they both end up in interesting situations. I would say that most people probably like Dobbins' situation better than Swift's. But, you know, I feel like Dave's somebody who probably can't decide between Swift and Dobbins. Would that seem about right, Dave? I It's unbelievable how much, how much I'm struggling between Swift and Dobbins. I just... So the main reason, so everyone loved Swift beforehand, correct? Can we all agree that everyone loved him pre pre draft? Oh, yeah. oh yeah, he was he was the RB one in a lot of boards, a lot of boards. And I and people are just really down on the Detroit landing spot, and I get it. I understand about Matt Patricia what he. Everyone has a very they have Carry On Johnson very close that what that experience with Carry On Johnson very close in their mind. They're thinking about it. However, I think Swift is twice the prospect that Carryon Johnson was. And I know people are going to disagree with that. There is a lot of Carryon Johnson truthers out here, but I think Swift is two tiers ahead of... of Swift is two tiers ahead of Carryon Johnson as far as prospects are concerned. He's a complete back. Didn't have the injury concerns that Carryon had coming out either. And I think that Swift is the type of player that can overcome his situation and just... I, and I also don't. I think he could just blow away carry on. So that's what that's um, one argument. But then I understand the Dobbins argument as well. This is the perfect landing spot for Dobbins. Minus Lamar doesn't dump it off as much. That's the only negative I can hear. And then also Ingram's there. But besides that, everything is perfect. That offense is built for him. So I understand both sides. I think I'll just land with the the, the running back that I like. I liked more beforehand. I, I'll believe in the talent rising to the top. I think. But then I and then I then I then I waver. I, I think for me, I have Dobbins over Swift, and it has to do with the landing spot. I think um, Swift had the best value in this draft in my mind because I see him landing at six a lot, you know? And I see him landing in a lot of drafts when you look at Twitter and other places that he is finishing that six, seven range. I see him Alex landing Duchesne's at nine. Todd. Alex Duchesne's, yeah. He, remember, we had a user tr- um, uh, listener trade come in. He got him at 109. That's that's nuts, you know. Swift, if you're getting Swift at 106 or later, you landed the best value of the first round. Him going to 105, which I know I just said 106, that's like, that's like right, you know what I mean. But then we should also say that Jared had 105 and 106 and got both of them, which congratulations, that's that's phenomenal for you, you know. But um, I would still go Dobbins over Swift because of landing spot. Um, and I also don't think like. I, th- I think a lot of people had Swift as, like, such a significantly better player and athlete than Dobbins, and I don't necessarily think that's true, you know? Do I think he might be a smidge ahead? Yeah, I do, but I think it's very, very close. Sean, what are your thoughts, Swift or Dobbins? Swift all day. 
It wasn't, I didn't waffle on that nearly as much as Dave did. You should just open up an IHOP and call it a day. <laughs> Love I it. I like it, Sean. Love it. For me, right. he is the superior athlete, and I think the landing spot isn't as much of a minefield. You know, carry on Johnson. I liked him a lot coming out too, but I think he already is becoming and forever will be a, oh yeah, but kind of guy. Yeah, you know, that's Oh yeah, fair. but he was on... The Lions and Stafford got hurt. Oh, yeah, but he was injured. Oh, yeah, but he had Patricia. Oh, yeah, but he's like the OBJ of running backs. Love it. Oh, the uh, I, I hate that last part. Yeah. I'm glad you agree, Tom. Yeah. <laughs> was, I didn't think you would agree under. with that yeah, take. Yeah, he put that under. I, I wasn't paying attention. Yeah, terrible take. Um, <laughs> we just went through the, the first six picks. So the next uh, six picks, excuse me, seven picks were at 107. Was Sean's pick? He took Cam Akers. At 108's pick was Justin Herbert. That was also Sean. 109 was Jalen Rager. Sean was up again at 110 and took uh, CD Lamb. At 111 was me. I got Jerry Judy. At 112 was Justin Jefferson. And at 113 was T. Higgins. Jared had five first round picks. It was impressive. So. 107 was a straight-up shocker for me. Um, Dave, what did you think about the 107 pick? 107 to Akers. That's where I would have... That's where I think he should have gone. I think that was... It was good to see Sean finally saw the light and took <laughs> and took Akers because... And I didn't... Men, I wanted to mention this earlier, too, is that I know this could... I don't know if this is considered a hot take or not, but I think in two years, any of these top five running backs... If they're the number one running back out of this out of this group, I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, I mean, Akers has the receiving upside. He has the the pedigree. He has the athleticism. Yeah, Todd doesn't like his landing spot. Okay, but maybe he's that good that he overcomes it. Maybe Swift overcomes his landing spot. Maybe Dobbins just blows Mark Ingram out of the water. He thrives in offense. Maybe Swift is everything we thought he was be. And maybe Ch. Everyone's right. That that landing spot was was. He is the new Brian Westbrook. All those situations could yeah. happen. They, so, they could. I'm so sick of hearing that. I'm just so sick of hearing the Westbrook thing. So forced. But t- well, Andy Reid brought it up. So, and, I, and I'll agree whatever you're, with you, Todd. But, but just the point being that all five, there's, this, there's a realistic narrative for all five of those guys being top. So, to Sean get him at 107, that's great value. Well done, Sean. I, I'm, I was still shocked that you did it. But that's well done, sir. Sean, I was thrilled you did it because I'm glad you took that guy on that dumpster fire for TV so I didn't have to do it. So I appreciate that, man. Um, with the whole thing is that, like, the thing that's always people keep saying is that, like, he ran behind a bad line in college. I'm like, there's a little bit of a difference of the defense at the ACC versus the NFL. That's all I'd like to say, you know? Um, the ACC is not even that good of a college football conference when you want to talk about, like, stout defenses. I mean, except for Clemson. Clemson was disgusting. But, um, Todd, I agree with your point there. I think people make that argument in the wrong way. They make it seem all like, the oh, time. He did, he, they say, "Oh, he did it. He did it in college, so he can do it in in the pros." That's not the point. The point that people should be making about it is that he did it in college, so he didn't rely on top blocking like Dobbins had. He didn't rely on top blocking like um, like Swift had at Georgia. Georgia has a notoriously one of the best offensive lines in the country. And LSU had an amazing offensive line this year and an amazing offense. He didn't have to rely on that. So that's the argument. The argument isn't that, oh, he did it once, he can do it again. The argument is that he doesn't rely on, he doesn't need amazing blocking to be successful. I like Todd's take, though, that it can also be 
counter argument that if he couldn't do it against an 11 man defense where nine of those guys are accountants right now, what's he going to do against an 11 man NFL player front? There's no way those guys are accountants. No way. No. <laughs> you got to make something, something Todd. They're car salesmen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All, yeah. A lot of those guys were something just equally still. as bleak. CFL, bro. CFL. Um, yeah. So, okay. I think we've talked Akers to death a little bit. Now, I thought that was a terrible pick. I thought it was way too early. At the same time, it doesn't matter what I think. But one of my favorite picks of the draft, what I believe is the second best value of the first round, was Justin Herbert at 108. So, Sean, were you happy with Herbert at 108? Or did you feel like you needed to take him because you needed a QB? A little both. Um, You know, if I can score that late, a first round single digit pick that has a pretty clear path to starting fairly early. I'm happy with it. Um, yeah, not over, not overly thrilled about him as a prospect, but I think there's not a ton standing in his way. So I'm, I'm happy to light the tires up and I had a couple of first round picks. So why not gamble one of them there? Do you guys feel like Herbert's uh, stock is getting hit a little bit more because he's in a class with uh, Burrow and Tua and that's why people aren't, seeing him as a good prospect i mean he went six in the nfl draft like he's obviously nfl squats liked him and he was not going to make it past 10 you know so like you guys feel like maybe from a fantasy perspective because of burrow and tua that he's just not getting the respect he deserves like anybody i yeah I mean, it, yeah. all, it all depends who's around, right? If he was in the class last year, let's say he didn't, because there was a number at the beginning of last year, people were speculating that he might come out, or two years ago, that he might come yeah. out in the 2019. And if he had, you know, how does he stack up against Jones, Haskins, yeah. Tyler? I, I mean, I have some bias with him in that last bull game where, like, he won MVP because he ran the ball in three times. And, like, I talked about that a bunch. Um, but, you know, he's a big QB. He's a prototypical QB phenomenal landing spot they just beefed up that line um you know tyrod's gonna be a good guy to sit behind and learn and watch and i don't think herbert plays this year because i actually think that tyler is going to do well enough that that team's going to compete and i that's the only reason i don't think he's going to play because if you're playing well you don't change that you know but um tyrod's definitely a pause in this situation and herbert's going to get the the keys to that to that team like by next year and it's a great team to have the keys to i mean he's got weapons everywhere he's got one of the best receiving backs in the league to help him out with that um you know like i already said about the line it it's a great pick man and the draft capital is there like the only thing you can say is that like that the, the only argument against him is like i don't like him as a prospect which is completely subjective and i'm one of those people but yeah, 108, slam dunk. I was actually thinking he might have made it to me for 111 because of how little people liked him. But, um, you know. Uh, the thing with me, though, and I think you said it perfectly, is that I think there is some people just see it's such a drastic difference between um, Herbert and Tua and Herbert and Burrow. But people have to forget that this was a really rare, this was an interesting year in that, Burrow had probably the best QB season of all time. Usually these QBs in their, going to the draft, they get picked apart. 
Like they get dissected and chopped up and spit out and everyone's like, oh, he's not that great. But Burrow literally had the best college in all time. So it's tough to do that to against to a guy who was that successful. And Tua got injured. And Tua also played on one of the the all-time in the one of the all-time best programs in college football history. You know, he had all those weapons at wide receiver. He had that line and he got injured, so he couldn't even get picked apart down the down the down the run. Whereas Herbert has been around for four years. He had very high expectations at certain points, as people thought was the QB1 in this draft at times. Not maybe not the last couple of years, but early on, he was a, as a Debbie QB, he was very high. And yeah. uh, and people have seen him and picked him apart. He didn't live up live up to certain expectations, and I think that's what happened with Herbert. But he's still a great value, and I think yeah. that this was right where he should go. Yeah, I, I feel like it's a better version of Daniel Jones last year. That's exactly what it feels like. You know, same kind of like conversation, same kind of like um, argument, except he's better in a better spot. You know, like there's no doubt. You like if you said to me, "Do I think Daniel Jones is better coming out last year than Herbert did this year?" I'm like, absolutely not. Herbert's better. You know, and I also much rather be in that Chargers locker room right now than anywhere near the giant situation you know and jones has a rushing upside yes dave i know all right but it has sneaky too yeah i get it but my point being is that like it just feels like the same thing and like people are getting burned by that a little bit last year now the first wide receiver off the board in our league was jalen rager and um so i'm gonna start off with this one because my theory is for two reasons one the guy who took him was an eagles fan okay and two, he listens to the podcast and you two guys hyping this guy up to like appropriately no so, yeah, to like to no end. I'm sorry, like no, no one's touching CD. I at one for me, not even close. All right, so Jalen Raker going one. Dave, thoughts? I mean, way to represent the podcast, Jared. Uh, you made me proud taking Raker at one. Um, I knew I was going to get him, so it was great to see him get some get some love, but then also uh, it was great not having Rager fall to Todd and watching Rager explode on Todd's team too. So <laughs> it, it's just a win-win all the way around. And I can say my league's awesome because Rager went wide receiver one. And if he doesn't hit, I'm like, oh, he wasn't on my team. So, so it was okay. <laughs> that was a phenomenal take. I loved it. I loved it. It was great. Sean, follow that. Just to, the, just to expand on the props that Dave just threw to Jared there. Jared also spent two weeks trolling me over that. Now that we put the podcast out and how much I loved Jalen Rager became public record, there was no way in hell I was ever going to get him. So, I to me, like we all know how I feel about CD Lamb. I, I just don't understand how CD Lamb doesn't go there. And when Jalen Rager Landing goes there, matters. yeah, it absolutely does. And like I also think that you're talking about two very good landing spots like i get that like it's a crowded situation but i just think lamb's gonna be the best wide receiver in that team in like two years easily i'm I'll... not easily you can't say easily Todd. i will say easily you can't say easily easily all right that's or you got your rose card glasses on my friend because gotcha. there's no way you can say easily when you have amari cooper and michael gallup there can it happen listen yes, but not easily now that you mentioned my glasses are very dirty and I need to find a wiper them very soon and they are not rose colored. But my point being is that like I, I feel like the Rager hype around like what he was at, like I actually have Rager like I'm not low on Rager by any means. I had Rager at like three four. I had a difficult time between him and Jefferson. You know, you know what, Todd, you are right. You do need to clean those glasses. 
<laughs> well put. Um, I mean, my assessments are not happening in the moment. My glasses are typically very clean. But, um, yeah, I mean, so I guess you guys are really happy with it. Then Lamb falls to 110. I'm 111. Did you get him, Todd? Did you get Lamb? I did not get Lamb. I was 111. Sean was 110. If you listen to the show, you know how I feel about Lamb. There was a lot of text between me and Sean. A lot of text. So, oh, I actually, we should have preference the fact of the way that our draft was set up. Dave is the greatest commissioner in the history of mankind and set up a Zoom draft for us. And we had analysts do some unbelievable, like, videos that just, like, broke down the prospects. And then they talked about a charity that they wanted us to consider donating to because our league, whoever wins, has to donate a portion of the charity, which I love. And um, It's a win, 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 win. It was fantastic. And Scott Fish actually decided to tell me that I make trash trade offers, which I thought was fantastic. So if I don't get it into Scott... It wasn't scripted, Todd. It wasn't scripted. He looked at the league, studied it, yeah, and he was not told that by me. If I don't get the Scott... insightful man. Yeah. If I don't get the Scott Fishbowl, like, like he's got an enemy. He's making a list after that stuff. <laughs> but um, that's the he's only way he's getting off the list offers. if I get in the Scott Fishbowl. All right? Check out my email every hour, Scott. So, um, yeah. So, anyways... Um, Scott, I also it? signed up, but I'm doing it a lot more gracefully. So, feel free, feel free to throw Todd's invite my way and just avoid all his grandstanding. Guys, let's be honest here. Scott Fish is not listening to this podcast. <laughs> Dave, you okay over there? You no, that, I'm sorry. That just it got to me. <laughs> right. So I'm texting Sean feverishly. I'm trying to throw things out. And then like, so I have a, like a 2021 second. That's going to be a top three pick. Sean's competing. He'll probably be back. And so I'm essentially giving him like the 14th pick next year for like the 25th or 20 like fourth pick in the draft next year Sean's just like no no I'm not doing it give me Cohen and I'm like no I'm not doing it Sean makes the pick I like eventually work Cohen into the deal oh I just wanted to see you get a rise out of you I actually don't like Cohen at all I don't like Cohen and I was just <laughs> like what a, what a dick I was about to say Cohen would not make sense in that deal at all but anyway yeah continue yeah no. well yeah, hey well, no that, he, was, that was at the end so the, the point the point text, of the story like is that Sean played my emotions like a freaking fiddle and eventually, I just said to myself, just be happy with Jerry Judy, man. I did not expect to see Jerry Judy at 11. Dave told me there was a chance. I said that, that would be crazy, and it happened. So, Sean, congratulations on 110 on CD Lamb. I am interested. And um, I thought he was the best value of, of the round by far. Not even close. Not even close. Like, CD Lamb at 110 is ridiculous to me. Sean, can I ask you something? Oh, you very well can. I just, I don't believe it's tough to take Todd at his word anymore because if he really likes Lamb, if he was as good of a player as Todd's been talking about on the podcast for months, don't you think he would have gone up and got him? Yeah. Like, what is think. this weak stuff? Oh, you know, it's hard to stand without a spine. That's true. He, he, I mean, he doesn't have any conviction. I don't know. I hate you both. <laughs> <laughs> I just hate you both. Like, so much. Like, Honestly, like, if Lamb went, like, 109, like, that would have been late for me, too. I would have been like, wow, you're so close. But the fact he went 110 to Sean, the pick before me, mm. that sucked. Delicious. It sucked. Delicious. Um, Sean, just go ahead, man. Enjoy my tears. I'm sure you're catching in a jar for later. Oh, yeah. I'm going to drink them up like they're Scott Tenderman tears. Oh, uh, dude. There's probably, like, a few mason jars full after that one. 
But Pot. I mean, Sean, I'll give you a hundred bucks for it when I'm winning the championship, and I can I'd like that to be my celebratory drink. They're not going to last until 2035, Dave. There's an expiration date. <laughs> I don't feel safe about how much you guys are enjoying my tears. <laughs> this this is getting a little creepy. Okay. Um. But anyways, so obviously Lamb goes 110. That's a phenomenal spot. 111. I get Jerry Judy. I'm thrilled about it. Um. The video for Jerry Judy was probably my favorite. I came out just hyped, hyped for that one. Shot. Uh. Dave, who did the Judy video? John John Lab. Uh, he's a he's a American history uh, teacher outside of, in I think New Haven, Connecticut. So yeah, he's a great guy. He's works for uh, football diehards. Does a lot for Scott Fishbowl. He's a great guy. Phenomenal. I like was ready to be like I'm running through a wall. If you're listening to this and you're in the league, Jerry Judy's available. But um, I was thrilled with that pick at 111, man. And like the only thing that like I was hoping that like maybe a back. I could have traded up and get a back or moved back and, like, somebody would have fell on, but it wasn't going to happen. Um, I have so many wide receivers, but it's nice to have another good one. Todd, here's a question for you because I think this actually – because, I mean, I mean, I think everyone's loving the banter and whatnot, but were you tempted at all by Vaughn? Because Vaughn is your guy. Yep, no, you I was. Meant... I was absolutely tempted. Um, there was, like, I actually – while the Lillian video was going on, I put in the chat that the 111 was available because I wanted to trade back and get Vaughn. And then I thought about it, and I was like, there was a point where I actually had Judy over Lamb, you know? And that was, like, way, like, I want to say, like, that's probably, like, before the 2020 season started, or the 2019 started, season started. So then, like, I'm, like, really high on Judy, and I'm like, yeah, at 111, this is phenomenal value. And trading back to Vaughn, like, the big thing with Vaughn is it's, like, a little force and, like, didn't really get anything coming my way, so I just took him and I was thrilled with it, you know? So, yeah, I thought about Vaughn. I did not think about actually taking him there, but I definitely thought about trying to trade back so I could pick him. But I end up with Judy, and I can't be mad about it, you know? So, um, do you guys want to say anything more about this, or can we finally move on? These are just, This is the best two values. I think you could cut it either way and lay him at 10 or Judy at 11. I have Judy third. I have I have Lamb one, Herbert two, and then Judy third. That was the best values of the of the round, as far as I'm concerned. Um, at one twelve was uh, Justin Jefferson, which is exactly where he should have been, and then one thirteen was T Higgins, which I was thrilled about, and he got the the the, um, the respect he deserved and the spot he deserved. You couldn't make an argument for either of those guys. I feel like they're in the same level. The only argument I would make for Rugs over Higgins is the draft capital, but I also like Higgins' landing spot. So taking Higgins there made me very happy. Jared, I applaud you, sir, for taking T. Higgins. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, so Ruggs would have been fine there. So what do you guys think? You have the 113, Ruggs and Higgins are on the board. Who are you taking? Yeah, Higgins, too. too. Higgins too, no problem. No, well, we know how you feel about rugs. You were taking rugs in like the third round, Dave. No, at one point, but actually, I remember if you guys remember, I had I was flip flopping Higgins and rugs, and I ended up settling Higgins slightly over rugs. So, what was your best? What was your best value in the first round? Like top three picks, top top three values. I mean, anytime that Jonathan Taylor slides to two, that's a no. He's not the best value. The best value was C.D. Lamb, without a doubt. Uh, I think you can make the argument over him. The second tier running backs. Maybe you can make that argument just because you can say 
you know, people passed on DJ Moore. They passed on uh, Cortland Sutton back, you know, back two years ago for carry on Johnson, those type of players. You don't want to do the same thing with CD lamb. So I understand, but no CD. All right. So in uh, typical, a tale of two rivals fashion, we are going to make this a two part episode. We love the banter. We love to get involved with it. So we're going to chop up and just end with the first round. And we're going to come back with the, the second and then some sweepers that we liked in those rounds. Um, so, yeah. So, Dave, tell the people where they can find you. You can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on Twitter. And I, my writing and musings are over at DynastyFootballFactory.com. And also, this week, you can check me out on at my dynasty diary by uh, eric john flynn on twitter he had me on we talked um just uh process you know just a great conversation about fancy football a little bit stuff not about fancy football stuff awesome check that out and also i made the scott fishbowl baby sfx ffbx yes i'm excited i'm really pumped so yeah go ahead sean where can i find you you can find me at ff underscore walrus over on twitter also writing for the Football Factory. You can find my rantings there. Hopefully, I'll be joining you in the Scott Fishbowl, and we can laugh at Todd as he's standing outside our window. <laughs> so I am Todd. I am at FF underscore Benjamin on Twitter. Uh, you will find my writing on the Dynasty Football Digest, and also go check out the IDP guys, uh, who are probably the premier IDP source out there. So. Um, Gentlemen, I had a good time. I hope I made the Scott Fishbowl, but we will be back with another episode for part two. It's been that fun. was a lot of fun messing with you, Todd. Too much fun. Sean, trade me CD Lamb. Let's, let's talk. Let's talk. I also had so much fun during our draft. Scott Fish said I had garbage trade offers. It was, you it was too. He's not wrong. He's a very adept individual. I hate everyone.